Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. A New York judge fined Donald Trump and the Trump Organization $350 million on Friday, marking Democrats' latest bid to financially and politically cripple the former president ahead of the 2024 election. Right, There's no doubt in my mind the motivation behind these uh, indictments of Donald Trump. There, you can argue. I mean, there's four different and uh, four different cases, right? Ninety-one total charges. This one, one of the most. This is like the most egregious, I think, of the four, um, because there's no victim. There's no victim here. Nobody has testified that they were taken advantage of. That anything. They even brought in an accountant that was like, nah, nothing. See here, it's totally fine. But they asked the judge to be the jury, basically, and the judge turns out to be a lunatic. Arthur Ngoron. Ngoron the moron. This guy's a piece of work. Anyway, according to the New York Times, Justice Arthur Ngoron ruled that the former president is liable for conspiring to manipulate his net worth and mandated that he pay a penalty of $355 million that could wipe out his entire stockpile of cash. The justice also also banned Trump from serving in any top roles at any New York company, including his own, for three years. The lawsuit against Trump, his children, and their business was filed by New York Attorney General Letitia James, a Democrat who campaigned on weaponizing the legal system to target Trump. James alleged the aforementioned individuals and the Trump Organization, quote, grossly inflated their assets in financial statements by billions of dollars. Remember, this is part of the case, uh, or part of this case was uh, the undervaluation of Mar-a-Lago, Right where they said it was worth like I think they said the, the the court said it was worth eighteen million dollars or something. Like I don't even think it was built for that cheap <laughs> by the publisher. Anyway, uh, or no, uh, or yeah, Post, not the publisher, the uh, General Mills uh, Post Mill, whatever. Yeah, the the yeah the the serial magnate, the daughter of the guy C.W. Post, and he stole the. The cornflakes thing from Kellogg at the at the uh, asylum. Anyway, um, during previous court testimony, Eli Bartov, an accounting professor at New York University, said, "Quote: There is no evidence whatsoever of any accounting fraud by Trump or his associates, and he claimed in, that his analysis quote shows the statements of financial condition for all the years were not materially misstated." See, here's the problem. Donald Trump has been known to lie about his net worth for decades. And so they used that against him. That's why I I always say he's his own worst enemy on this stuff. He really is. 
Friday's ruling was hardly surprising given the level of bias that this judge demonstrated throughout the trial. In September, for example, the justice relied upon a faulty appraisal of Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate, here you go, to conclude that Trump's substantially higher self-reported appraisal was a fraudulent inflation of the property's value. And Goron, the judge, also placed a temporary gag order on Trump um, and was caught laughing at the start of a court proceeding. This is a piece by Sean Fleetwood at thefederalist.com. So this is a weaponization of the courts against a political opponent. It's very clear to me that that's what this is about. The Fannie Willis stuff that we covered last week, same deal. Across four different venues, the Biden Justice Department and Democrat prosecutors have levied a collective 91 criminal indictments against Trump with the goal of imprisoning the likely Republican presidential nominee before the election. And that doesn't even take into account all the attempts to kick him off the ballot in different states to try to prevent him from winning. Right? So they're going to ruin him financially. They're going to ruin him electorally. Right? This is the this is the MO. This is the strategy. These are their tactics. Just like with Michael Mann. The same case I mentioned earlier about the BMW case about the damages being so out of whack with the uh, so you got compensatory damages and then punitive damages. When you have punitive damages that are so far higher, so much higher than the than the compensatory damages, like what what are you being compensated for? Where was your loss? Oh, your loss was you know ten dollars. You then don't get punitive damages of ten billion dollars. That's not that's not reasonable. And so that's what the appeal is going to be, not just in the Mark Stein case, but I suspect in this case as well. Let me jump over here and get some uh, calls on here. Stephen, welcome to the program. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Pete. Hi. I've got a I've got a question. I hope you could answer. And I've always wondered this about these uh, huge and excessive fines. And I'm not a lawyer or a constitutional law you know scholar or anything like that. But um, wouldn't this fall under either extortion, uh, cruel and unusual punishment, or just situational punishment or something like that? I mean. You're, you're, if you look at it, you're saying, all right, we're going to find this guy $350 million. Forget why we want to find him that. But we're going to find him $350 million just because we know he has the money. It's the same thing with, uh, say, Charlotte not prosecuting someone that's homeless because they, don't, because they know that they're not going to receive any kind of money from any fines that they would receive or be charged with. So could you maybe, like... No, I can't. Like, I, I can tell you, I, I, cannot, I, I cannot logically argue that because it's it illogical make, it doesn't make am, am i right in the fact am, am i right in like the argument that i'm saying about yeah. it doesn't make sense correct Correct. yeah correct that's why I, yeah I, I i can't i cannot conjure up an explanation for why uh you would go after i mean you're assuming also we are all assuming including the court here right that he's got this money I, like right. i don't i don't know if he has it or not i haven't looked at his books but I, i've heard him you know he has inflated his value for years and years. And, you know, he's taking money out of the, the fundraising efforts by the Republican party to pay off legal expenses. I don't know what all of those costs are. Last number I saw was like 50 million. So I don't know if he's a billionaire or not. I mean, I know he, he claimed to be, but what if he doesn't have the money? Then what? 
Is he going to yeah, like liquidate about, all what assets? About, what about a statute of limitations? I mean, you, you said he's in conflate or, you know, misrepresenting his funds or his net worth for the past few decades or however many decades. Yeah, but those were just in media here. reports. Like, he would just lie to reporters about that, not in court okay. like, and not on documents. He would just make up the numbers like that. So I don't know uh, how they ascertain, you know, what his actual worth is and how many assets he has and all of this. So, yeah, he like, what if he doesn't have this kind of cash laying around to pay this kind of a fine? Does now he have to start liquidating assets? Um, are, you know, are they trying to, you know, drive him into the poorhouse, basically? Um, and I'm sure they would because they, they very much loathe and hate him. So they would like to see him, uh, you know, penniless. Yeah, and I'm not really a Trump supporter, but, you know, I am just I'm absolutely fed up with the way that our government punishes um, conditionally and, right. you know, punishes people based on their belief and not the belief of our Constitution or the actual laws that we have in this country. Yeah. Anyway, Pete, I appreciate you yeah, taking man. my call, man. Have a good day. All right, buddy. You too. Thanks, Stephen. I appreciate the call. No, I, I agree. I agree. Like, my feelings on Trump, I see, and I, like this is why I say, don't let Trump break your brain, you know? Um, my views on Trump have nothing to do with this determination by this judge. It's outrageous. It, I mean, it's outrageous. Um, but expected. Jonathan Turley. He wrote about this. I'll get to that. Kevin O'Leary from the Shark Tank, Mr. Wonderful. He said, what developer doesn't ask for the highest price valued for any building that they built? He said, this will destroy the New York real estate market. This ruling, if this thing stands, what developer is going to do any kind of projects if now they are not able to price their to?" to ask for the highest price valuation that they determine. That, that's, that's what the practical impact of this is going to be. Let's go over to the phones and get Lori on. She has been waiting patiently. Hello, Lori. Welcome. Hey, Pete. How are you? I'm um, good. How are you? Happy to be with you. I, you have probably addressed this, and I only get to um, listen to your show uh, during my lunch hour at work, which is from one to two. Okay. I am a re- registered Republican, but I have questions or want to learn your thoughts and feelings towards Senior. I am seriously considering changing um, to independent just because I'm unhappy with everybody. Okay. And I just wanted to get your, your ideas uh, on RFK Jr. I think RFK Jr. is uh, is a little wacky on uh, a lot of issues. Um, I don't think he's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think he's like a, a serious contender. I think he's also now left, hasn't he left the Democrat Party as well? And he's running as, uh, as an independent, which you don't have to. Like, if you want to stay a registered Republican or Democrat, you can vote for whomever um, except in a primary. But if you want to vote in a primary, that's like if he's still a Democrat in the Democrat primary, and I have not checked to see, um, then, yeah, you would need to be registered unaffiliated in North Carolina in order to vote in that Democrat primary. Is that what you were asking? Because your phone, your signal is kind of breaking up a little bit. It is, and I'm sorry about that. That's okay. That. That's um, all right. 
Yeah, I, I I appreciate that information. But like I said, I just I'm really as a 55 year old now for I'm really interested in learning more so much more about the electoral process, the different parties. It sounds mm-hmm. strange that I'm just this old and now just wanting to learn these things, but I'm just real frustrated with what's going on in the world today, and I just feel like. There has to be somebody that can start the changes. So I don't think there's any. Go ahead. No, I was going to say. So what I do, and I'm look. I I was a. Um, I was you know thirty years ago. I was more uh, liberal. Um, then uh, registered as a Republican. Then a Libertarian. Then became unaffiliated and have been unaffiliated for like twenty years. So um, and I've never voted for a major party candidate ever. For president, so that's sort uh-huh. of yeah. So that's my that, and I use my presidential votes as as protest votes against against the two party system. And you can use your vote however you would like. I do not advocate anybody to vote for somebody or whatever. I advocate people vote for issues. I advocate that right. right if you if you you find issues that you care about and then find people that are saying uh, posi- or expressing positions that you agree with. Right. So this way you're not you're not uh, hooking your wagon to a particular personality. Right. Because you know, mm-hmm. every politician will break your heart. They, they always do because they're people. They're fallible. Um, and so uh, that, that's that, that's my view. I don't ever I, you know, I never throw all of my eggs into a, a politician basket. It's I, I, I vote on issues, not on the people. Right. And I think I think I'm leaning that way. And I appreciate all of your knowledge and your your, um, you know, like I said, I only get to listen to you an hour a day. I listen to Brett on the way home from work. and I listen to the morning show in the morning. But um, I, I love your show well, and I appreciate you. your knowledge and your, you know, getting the information out to those of us that don't have so much knowledge. Well, look, I've said um, this so for years. You. Yeah, absolutely. Lori, I've said this for years, too, which is. Most people are being productive members of society. You are out being a productive member of society, unlike me, right? So I spend all my day reading all of this stuff so you don't have to, and hopefully to distill some of this stuff down um, and, and to give you information rather than you having to do what I do all day is is sift through all of the, the different headlines. So uh, keep right. doing what you're doing. And uh, you can get the podcast, just, you know, not for nothing. And we actually take out, I'll tell you a secret, we take out the commercials. True. That's true. Yeah, and so then you can I, listen I to a to full hour in. Uh, you get a full hour condensed down into thirty minutes. It's like half as much. Okay, time. all yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. All right, Lori. All right. Well, well, thanks be- for listening. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate your taking my call. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I I see a lot of people about uh, talk about RFK Jr. Um, and I know this. Yeah, like I, I just got through saying I'm about the, you know issues and not the person, but like his voice is really annoying to me too. <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I don't know if I could sit through. I don't know if I could sit through speeches of his like the State of the Union. I mean, come on. Although, you know what? Maybe he recognize. I know he recognizes it. He knows this about his voice with the paralysis of the vocal cords or whatever. So he, he maybe we go back to a day where he just writes it in a, on a on a piece of paper and sends it to Congress. OK, I'm rethinking this now. So Jonathan Turley. He is the J.B. and Maurice C. Shapiro Professor of Public Interest Law at the George Washington University Law School. That is 
is quite the lengthy job title. I'm not sure it fits on a business card. But he had a piece at thehill.com. Headline, Obscene Award Against Trump is Testing the New York Legal System's Integrity. I mentioned the quote from Kevin O'Leary of Shark Tank, who talked about the, the chilling effect that this is going to have on all the other real estate developers in New York. And Russ pointed out that the governor of New York basically admitted that it was a political prosecution. Russ says, quote, in an attempt to calm fears of other developers, she said this legal theory would not be used to go after other developers. Yeah, like I don't know how much clearer they can be in expressing their motivation. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at CarolinaReadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at CarolinaReadiness.com veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out got an email from john very good point uh regarding i think it was Lori's call that uh it is too late to change your party registration now to vote in the primary because the primary is now underway so early voting is now underway for the uh, march primary i forgot what date it is exactly it's but it's uh it's like the first tuesday after the first Monday of the month or something like that. So well, I can look. Hang on. I'll look it up. Um, mm-hmm, February. Uh, no, let's go to March. Yeah. Let's go. Check of the month. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Mm. I guess that's the 5th, right? Is it the March 5th? Right. Because that's the first Tuesday after the second Monday or something. That would be March 5th. So there you go, because the first, uh, or no, so the first Tuesday after the first month, I think it's March 5th. Anyway, I'm not trying to engage in election interference here. I'm not trying to give false information in order to try to get you know people not to go vote, whatever. So go check the Board of Elections. I'll do it during the break, but I think it's March 5th. Um, so you have the, uh, you got the primary, it's already underway, so you can't change your registration. Now, if you're not registered to vote, you got same-day registration. I think you could still do that, but if you're not even registered, but. Um, so the court in the Trump trial in New York, the court acknowledged that not a single dollar was lost by any banks from any of the business deals they did with Donald Trump. No money was lost. In fact, the witnesses testified that they wanted to do more business with Donald Trump. They, they called him a whale. That's not a fat no. It's not a fat joke. No. In in the business world, a whale is something, you know, a big account, right? A whale client with high yield business opportunities. They wanted more business with him. Undervaluing and overvaluing property is a long standing practice in New York real estate, says Jonathan Turley. 
the forms submitted by the Trump organization cautioned the banks to do their own estimates. And the loans were paid in full and on time. There, so there was no victim. There's no damage. But the New York law used by Letitia James is a curiosity because it does not actually require a victim. Indeed, everyone can make ample profits and still allow for an investigation into repeated fraudulent or illegal acts. Having campaigned on getting Trump on any basis, Letitia James turned the law into a virtual license to hunt him down along with his family and his associates. The size of the damages is grotesque and should shock the conscience of any judge on appeal. The U.S. Supreme Court could intervene. The impact on New York business is likely to be dire. New York is already viewed as a hostile business environment with the top end of its tax base literally heading south as taxes and crime rise. Turley goes on to say later in this piece, he mentions the BMW case, which I referred to in the last hour in the Mark Stein defamation trial. The one hope for New York businesses may be the U.S. Supreme Court. Despite the deference afforded to the states and their courts, right, the U.S. Supreme Court has occasionally intervened in order to block excessive damage awards. 1996, the justices limited state awards of punitive damages under the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. In that case, BMW was found to have repainted luxury cars that were damaged in transit without telling the buyers. An Alabama jury awarded $4,000 in compensatory damages for the loss of value in having a factory paint job. And then they added $4 million in punitive damages. Even when the Alabama Supreme Court reduced that to $2 million, the U.S. Supreme Court still found it to be excessive. Even liberals on the court, such as John Paul Stevens and Stephen Breyer, agreed that, quote, such grossly excessive awards raised a basic unfairness of depriving citizens of life, liberty, or property through the application of arbitrary coercion. The court may find that almost half a billion dollars in damages without a single lost dollar from a victim might just be a tad excessive. That prospect will not dampen the thrill-kill environment in New York this week, though. In electing, uh, in electing openly partisan prosecutors like Letitia James and the District Attorney Alvin Bragg, voters have shown a preference for political prosecutions and investigations. He calls it a real-life bonfire of the vanities, right? You don't have to feel sorry. You don't have to feel sympathetic for Donald Trump to see the award for what it is, which is obscene. The appeal is now going to test the New York legal system to see if other judges can do what this judge moron found so diff sorry, Endor and Goron. Uh, sorry, and Goron. What he found to be so difficult, which is to set aside your feelings about Donald Trump and try the case on the merits. But some truckers have another idea about applying pressure to the great state of New York. I'm not sure if you've heard of this. 
Email is Pete at the PeteCalendarShow.com. Thank you, John. Yes, uh, the election is on March 5th. Early voting ends uh, Saturday, March 2nd. So, yeah, you could still early vote, but the election is March 5th. See, I knew, I knew it, but then it's like, I doubt myself. As soon as I say the thing, I'm like, oh, is it? I don't want to give the wrong information because, like, somebody got sued or brought up on, like, election interference charges for putting out a joke on social media. I said, you know, make sure you vote on this other date. Like, if you're Democrat, you vote on this date. (laughs) It was the wrong date, and... Yeah, they got in legal trouble for that. So, like, I'm not trying to do that. If I was, then I would have had a much cleaner scripted joke, you know? And I probably would have, you know, played the rim shot, you know, just to let you know it's a joke. Or would I? Hmm. Dan, welcome to the program. Hello, Dan. Hiya, Pete. Happy President's Day. Yes, and to you as well, if you celebrate. I don't know if you heard the news story a little while ago on Newsbreak about the pick for the favorite president. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was kind of interesting in that Abraham Lincoln was the number one pick. Mm-hmm. The very last, dead last, was one Donald J. Trump. Yes. But very quite interestingly, one Joseph Rabinald Biden ended up in number 14 out of 46 presidents. Yeah. You don't think there's, but you don't think there's any chance for a little bias in that, do you? Well, I don't know. Let's see. Um, the uh, The number one ranking was Lincoln, followed by yeah. FDR, who moved up one spot above George uh-huh. Washington, who dropped a spot. So, okay. like, the reason why it's President's Day, we all know, is because Lincoln and Washington both had birthdays this month, and so they were they're generally considered to be the best presidents. And so they get it was Lincoln's birthday, Washington birthday, President's Day, whatever. So so FDR, the guy, by the way, I think this is actually the anniversary of the day he he uh, signed the order uh, imprisoning all of the Japanese Americans in the internment case. The internment order. Yeah. 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 So I think like I think it's actually one of the anniversaries of that. And he he's now the number two best president for that. Yeah. Then there's uh, Teddy Roosevelt at four. He's apparently better than Thomas Jefferson, who's better than (laughs) Truman. Who's better than number seven, Obama, at number seven, then Eisenhower, LBJ is better than Kennedy. Wow. Who's better than James Madison, the the founder, right, the father of the Constitution, only comes in 11th. But he does be... who authored this survey? um, Lefties. 154 154 members of the American Political Science Association. The APSA uh, or the APSA. Um, well, I would I would actually think it sounds more like it was done by the ACLU. Boom. Um, yeah, so you got uh, uh, Carter comes in 22nd. Oh, yeah, where is Reagan on this list? I saw this. Uh, oh, got to be at the bottom. Let's see here. Uh, Clinton, it comes in at number 12, beating John Adams, because that makes sense. And then Joe Biden is right behind John Adams, and then right behind Joe Biden is Woodrow freaking Wilson. <laughs> Woodrow Wilson comes in at fifteenth, like that. He is the worst. He's the worst president. Why would you put him at fifteen? And Reagan yeah, is number okay, sixteen. So I guess if I'd done a little research on who actually did the survey, I might have come to a pre-drawn conclusion that there could potentially be a little bias. Absolutely, and I think they actually did break it down by the respondents' um, political leanings. 
if they consider themselves yeah. to be conservative versus liberal. And so there were way more liberals. And so the 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 weighting on the uh, on the votes obviously skewed in their favor, which is how you end up with Ronald Reagan at number sixteen. I mean, a guy who won his uh-huh. first election okay. with with like what 45, 47 states, and then he exactly. won his reelection with almost every one of them except Walter Mondale's home state of Minnesota. Well, I appreciate you confirming the validity of my thoughts on that survey. Thank yes, sir. All right, no problem, Dan. I appreciate the call, buddy. Have a great day. All right, man. Thanks, bye. You too. Uh, this is uh, let's see. So Reagan's at sixteen. Reagan, seventeen. Grant, eighteen. Monroe. 19, George H.W. Bush. Number 20, John Quincy Adams. 21, Andrew Jackson. 22, Jimmy Carter. Oh, by the way, the uh, I saw this from a friend, Sister Told You, over at redstate.com. Um, she has this post where apparently... Um, the Democrat Party put out a like it's like this this painting and it's like Happy President's Day and it shows Bill Clinton like at the top and then off to his bottom left there's is, there's a painting like of Barack Obama and then off to the bottom uh, right there is is Joe Biden and they're also it's like all three of their heads it's like uh like I'm trying to think it's like a triangle with like their heads like circles like making this triangle. Like, happy President's Day. Hey, guys, Jimmy Carter's still alive. He's one of yours. What? It, they deleted the post. They deleted that post. Um, but Carter came in 22nd, beating Taft. Then McKinsley, Polk, Cleveland, Ford. Coming in at number 28, Martin Van Buren. 29, Hayes, Garfield, Harrison, George W. Bush at 32, Arthur, that would be Chester, Calvin Coolidge at 34, seriously, Silent Cal comes in at 34, Nixon at 35, he beats Hoover, who beats Tyler, Taylor, Tippecanoe, no, I'm kidding, Fillmore, Harding, Harrison, Pierce, Johnson, Buchanan, and Trump who fell one spot. <laughs> he was 44th and now he's 45th. Cuz I think now Biden is on the list. <laughs> That's the only reason. Truckers have indicated that they're going to soon cut off deliveries to New York City in protest of former President Donald Trump's civil fraud case, by the end of which he was ordered to pay 355 million dollars in penalties for multiple fraud counts related to his business empire, despite nobody actually being defrauded. A trucker and conservative social media influencer known as Chicago Ray posted on Twitter uh, about the uh, the move Friday night in a video that has garnered 6 million views and 56,000 likes at the time of this writing at the nationalreview.com. In the viral clip, Chicago Ray claimed he and some of his colleagues who support Trump will stop delivering loads to New York City in the coming work weeks. The former president, Donald Trump, reposted Chicago Ray's video over on Truth Social, where, like, nobody's really going to say it, but uh, that's fine. I, I mean, there will be people who say it, just not a whole lot. 
But uh, the point here is that they're basically going to what? This is like a siege of New York City now. They're going to starve it out <laughs> without actually. I mean, I guess New York, New York might have to actually start running trucks out of the city and going to the, the neighboring states and such and getting supplies and bringing them back into the city. They might have to do. Oh, hey, you know what? I just thought of an idea. You got all of the people, all of the illegal immigrants that are there housing now in like the rec centers. Now New York City can go buy a bunch of trucks, give all of the illegal immigrants the jobs. They'll let them drive the trucks, go pick up all the supplies and bring them back into the city. I'm all about solutions here, people.